Thank you for listening to the Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. Please tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Welcome back on a uh, fine Sunday evening for episode five of Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. I'm George Buffett and I'm here, I'm here with co-host Jacob Andrus. How's your week been, Jacob? Been a great week. Just, uh, just braving the cold weather here as we've had a cold front come through. Temperatures have been down in the the low 30s the last couple days and pretty frigid in the morning so other than that everything's been great how about with you yeah pretty much the same thing played uh got to play tennis a couple times this week so that was good um not not usually one for the cold weather but i braved it um on thursday evening then i was indoors today um but that was good that's always nice to get back out there for sure for sure who did you uh hit with any uh local players or the college guys junior players who'd you hit with um, so it's uh, his, his name is Sharia uh, at Blakeney Club. Um, he's a senior in high school. He's going to Penn. It's either Penn State or no, Penn State's the the white and blue one, right? Yeah, I think I think the guy you're he's going to about University going, of Penn. Yeah, Univer- UPenn. Yep. Um, so before we get started, let's uh, have a moment for our sponsor, Thirty uh, Thirty Tennis, with Mark Milne over in Scotland. Uh, shortened format of tennis where. Each game starts at 30-30 rather than level to maximize big points, increase the pressure, and most importantly, shorten the format so you don't get, you know, super long matches and late night finishes. Um, and just a, a really good shortened format uh, for all levels of the game, from beginner all the way to professional. Um, if you have any questions or want to reach out to Mark, find them at the 30-30 website. The, the link will be in the podcast bio. On, on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. So without further ado, there's uh, since we uh, last spoke, there's been so much going on um, since Wednesday. So many upsets all over Melbourne, Port, Mo- Melbourne Park. I apologize. Where do you want to start? I say we just start right at the top of the draw. Novak Djokovic, uh, last couple matches, he he's really picked it up, I think. He had a great match against Edgeberry, really solid in those uh, first two sets and third set as well. At least from the highlights I saw, he looked pretty in control for the most part. And then he followed that up with a pretty dominant win over Adrian Manorino. Um, part of that, I think, was due to Manorino playing uh, 15 sets of tennis over <laughs> the past week in, in three matches. But Still, uh, still a pretty dominant performance by Djokovic. What, what have you thought about his uh, his level these last couple of days? Yeah, I thought the the Echeverry match was interesting. It was very much different to how I expected it to go. Um, Echeverry was pretty poor, I thought, um, mm-hmm. and I thought Manorino did really well to come out on top against Ben Shelton. Um, you know, we, we can we can talk about Ben a little more. Um, the mental side of the game, which I've seen a lot of you know, articles and things saying he needs to work on, you know, he would have come out on the right side of that result had he been a bit stronger mentally. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it was uh, love, love and three for Djokovic against Manorino. That was crazy. Um, yeah. That was like one of those matches that we would, we were talking about last, last episode, you know, just the, the drummings. Um, but did, did you know Manorino plays with uh, his racket tension at 10, 10 pounds or 10 yeah. kilos? I can't, I, I think it's 10 kilos. Bad. He, he varies between, uh, I believe, between 8 and 12 or 8 and 16. I think 8 and 12 kilos is his normal range. So way, way down there. Crazy. Um, but, yeah, pretty good showing to reach the fourth round. Um, he's going to rise to, you know, number 17, number 16, I think, depending on how a few more results go. 
which is a good showing for, like, what is he, 35, 34? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, no, a little resurgence late in his career. Um, yes. And we'll get, I'm sure we'll talk about the favourites later in this episode, so we'll come back to Novak. Um, I think a, a big result, especially for how he started the tournament, was Taylor Fritz mm-hmm. um, to beat Tits of Pass. I, I wish I'd watched a little bit more of him coming into the tournament, and I feel like I would have got that prediction right. I went with the, the Greek, but... He was trying, you know, two different service motions throughout the uh, the tournament, which I thought was a little strange. Yeah, that I thought that was really interesting. I've I've seen, you know, players like Yannick Sinner in this past year. Last year, I guess technically, he uh, switched his serve from the platform to the pinpoint stance. And I'm pretty sure earlier in his career, especially in juniors, maybe when he first went on the pro tour, he originally used the pinpoint stance and he moved into the platform stance. So going back to his. Uh, his original roots to say um, seems to have helped us serve a lot. And I wonder if Sitsipas is trying to kind of do the same thing and just experiment, see if he can get a little bit more out of the serve. But it's really odd to see a, a top pro, especially experimenting in the middle of such a big tournament. Yeah. Um, and Taylor Fritz, the only American into the second week at Melbourne Park. Um, the, I think they had 10 guys in the top 100 in the United States and he's the only one making the second week. Is, is that concerning to you? Um, I wouldn't say concerning at this point in the year. Um, I think it's a little surprising that we didn't get more than one. I was I was really expecting Tommy Paul to come through against Kecmanovic, especially when I, I had been watching that match. I turned the TV off to go to bed around 6-2 after, I believe 6-2 in the third set when Tommy Paul went up, and I Woke up the next morning, checked the draw, and I was just surprised to see the Serbian flag next to Alcaraz's name. So, a little, a little concerned that not more than one made it, but I, I still think it's early in the year, and the Americans tend to kind of come in, in waves a little bit, where one does well one tournament, and then a different one does well in another tournament. So, it, it would be great to see more consistency from them, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not too concerned with the state of American tennis. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a valid point. I'm looking now to see where Tits Pass's ranking is going to go. Look, he lost, yeah, he lost a thousand points. Oof. He's going to go to at least, well, at best, number ten. Yep. Um, yeah, that could be the start of a of a slide for him. Yeah, trouble trouble ahead or trouble brewing for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to have a tough sled in here in these next couple months, especially if he's looking to experiment during the season with with his game it's not bad to tinker with stuff and kind of figure out what works and what doesn't especially in the off season but but doing that when he's in full match play isn't really something that we've seen many top guys do and if they've been doing it they haven't really followed it with a lot of success yeah i i agree and also it, it's important to note that he's now crossed the threshold you know i think that the big milestones are you know number four Number eight, number sixteen. He's dropped out the top eight, so his seeding at big tournaments is, you know, he's going to be seeded to lose in the fourth round mm-hmm. or the round of sixteen, opposed to the quarterfinals, which you can make a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he could run into a player like a, a Yannick Sinner and Andre Rublev in what could potentially be a fourth round match now, and that's that would be very tough for him. I think just making those deep runs is is gets easier. We kind of seen the top guys like Yannick Sinner being able to make more consistent runs now in recent tournaments because he's gotten that top four seeding. And when he was in that five to eight, maybe five to 10 range, we didn't really see him consistently making these runs just because he had tougher draws, I think. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, talking of Yannick Sinner, we'll come on to him more uh, when we go through the favourites at this stage, but he's on fire, isn't he? Oh, he's playing awesome tennis. He, I don't think he's dropped a set yet, and up until he played Kachinov, I don't believe he lost more than three games in a set either in his first three matches, so pretty dominant in almost every way in his last four matches. I'm really excited to see if he can if he comes through Rublev and, and Djokovic comes through Fritz, I, I'd love to see that next matchup. Yeah, uh, Sinner beat Kachinov in that last round. The uh, uh, Matt Kach's, um superior on the day. It was four yep. sets. It was, it was mighty tight, but he, he's still going in the doubles. So the, the dream is on for for Mackack. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I guess I guess looking at the draw still, um, one of I thought the probably the best match in this uh, this fourth round so far that we've had would be the the Rublev Diminar matchup. That was I was watching that earlier this morning. Um, I recorded it to watch it again, but those first three sets were super tight. Yeah, what what happened at the end? I, I watched the first three sets, like the extended highlights of it, but he obviously got bageled in the fifth. Did did he fade? What what sort of happened? I kind of fast forwarded through it because I was a bit busy at that point. But from what I saw, I believe Diminar was getting treated for blisters or something on his foot at some point in the third set, I believe, and. I think he just kind of physically was starting to fade a little bit in the fourth. And I heard the commentators say that Rublev was fighting some cramps in what I would assume was the fourth set, but I didn't really, I didn't really watch through that. Just kind of check the score as I went. And it seemed like it just kind of tailed off in terms of competitiveness. Yeah, no, it shows the, uh, the resolve and the fitness of, of Rublev. I mean, he went five in the first round, five again in the fourth round. Uh, and to outlast Demonor is no no small feat, so it shows incredible fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is there is points where uh, where Rublev had Demonor just on the run, side to side, relentlessly, just forehand to forehand, every corner, just looks like a miserable time out there for Demonor. I was really surprised he got those second and third sets, but it was good good tennis by him, just a little too much from Rublev, I think, that night. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was a yeah, it's a shame to see him see him fade, but congratulations to Rublev, and he moves on for a for a blockbuster against Sinner. Uh, moving down, I, this is the one of the two breakouts they they played tonight. The Frenchman Arthur Kazu, you can have a go at pronouncing that if you think I, if I butchered that. No, I, um, I think he did just as well as I would. If yeah. Better. So, so in the last round, he destroyed the the twenty eighth seed, the Dutchman Talon Greikspoor, three three and one, and he looked incredible. But I think the match we need to talk about is the the previous match um where he beat Holger Rune in four sets they really messed with my predictions I, I can't lie so I was a little bit upset yeah but I, I heard they had quite a backstory in juniors so it wasn't you know although the ranking difference and what they've done in the pros was was there to see Kazo had beaten him a couple times in juniors so maybe not so surprising that he got the upset yeah I I personally did not get to see any of that match it, I think it happens pretty early in the morning I didn't get to see the result until the next day but I I found it surprising just because he the ranking disparity really but it's it's interesting to hear that they had a a history of playing in the juniors so that definitely would uh lend itself to a bit of an advantage for Kazo versus him having to play a different seed that he'd never played before yeah I agree I I think this will be his breakout too I think it, it it'll be one of those sort of you know, you have a great result, boost, boost you up in the rankings quite considerably, and then you're off to the races. I think it'll be that kind of deal for, for the Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, 
this should catapult him ranking wise up to a point where he no longer has to just play in challengers and that can make a huge difference for him just getting results and playing consistently yeah so he's up to 83 up 39 spots i thought he would go a little bit higher but if he beats mm-hmm. her catch tonight he would go a lot further he would go to the fringe of the top 50 at about 58 yeah, that would be good enough to get him into most of the Masters 1000s, which is, I mean, if you're a top player, that's where you want to be at. Yeah, and and do you think he has a chance against Hubie Hercatch? I think so, yeah. Hercatch is, uh, I mean, he's one of the best players in the world, but his game is really based around his serve and just kind of looking at some of the matches Hercatch has played this tournament. He had that uh, that five-set match against the, the other young player, uh, Jakob Mensik. Um, I think that Kazo could at least play at a similar level, if not better, than what Mensig was playing in that match. So I think that I mean, gives him, at a minimum, a fighting chance in the match. Yeah, I'm not sure he gave it enough enough credit to Hubi Hercatch, man. I, I watched some of his matches. He's got hands and he's got wheels, not just a big serve. Yep. No, he's he's one of my favorite players to watch. I'm I'm uh, I'm rooting for him to go deep into the tournament, and I would I would love to see him be able to pull out. Wins in the next two rounds over Kazo and potentially Medvedev if he could get that far. Yeah, no, it'll be uh, be good to see how he progresses. Moving to the next section of the draw, Dimitrov is out. Uh, yeah. Are you a are you a Dimitrov fan? Where, where do you stand on that? I'm I'm a fan of Dimitrov, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm I'm always rooting for him to win. I actually like Nuno Borges a lot. Just a college tennis player yeah. played for a Mississippi State, I believe. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, won a, I think he won the national. Singles no, he lost a, I was going to, I'm oh, glad you brought it up. He lost a poor yeah, job in the final. That's right. But I think it's so interesting to see how, if you, you know, you compare the pathways from that match. Yep. You know, he's in the fourth round of the Australian Open and, and you know, Paul is in the challenges. Yep. I just think it's very interesting how, you know, people go different ways from effectively the, the same position. Yeah, no, they were, I mean, that match by Paul Jubb, I remember watching it on Tennis Channel a few years back. It was a just a great performance by him. And then since then, he's I mean, he's risen in the rankings from where he was, but he's never really had a breakthrough. And Nuno Borges is now solidly in the top 75, maybe top 50 after this tournament. So it's so you said it's really interesting to see kind of the differences in what one breakout or consistently performing well in some of the challengers and maybe in some of the smaller ATP tournaments has done for him. Yeah, no, absolutely. He, um, Dimitrov, I feel, is a bit... You know what Marmite is? I've, I've heard of it. I've never had it, but I, I, I know what it is. There's a saying in, in England that Marmite, you either love it or you hate it. It actually might be that company's tagline. I feel like mm-hmm. Dimitrov is a bit like Marmite. You either love him or you hate him. Yeah. I love watching him play, but I, I normally don't specifically root for him if he's just playing a random player. He's just kind of a guy that I enjoy watching, but I don't... I don't mind if he does well or does bad. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he's going to get a Masters title this year. Yeah, I think just, the five sets is a trouble for him, but I think over three sets he's he's much more efficient. He doesn't have to worry so much. I think that's a, the five sets is a big issue for him. You take that away, I think he's a different player over over three sets. Yeah, two out of three. He's, I mean, career wise, he's had a lot more success. Just kind of winning his uh, that end of year Masters title. It was maybe six, not six years ago, four or five years ago now. Um, and then just being successful at places like Cincinnati and other yeah. matches from thousands. 
the, the title he won this year was his first title since that, since when he won the ATP World Tour Finals. Yeah, that's, that's pretty remarkable to go that long between such a big tournament and then just winning another tournament in general. Yeah, so it, Borges plays against Medvedev. Medvedev has looked really good this tournament, a bit of a sleeper, I reckon. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about uh, Felix Auger-Eliassime. Have you had a chance to watch that the, that match or those highlights? None of the Medvedev match. No, I, I'd seen him play earlier in the tournament, but I I didn't get to see any of his match versus Medvedev. Um, yeah. score, Score-wise, it looked a little bit straightforward, but what did, did you watch? Yeah, well, uh, he, he looked tentative, like just a guy lacking all confidence. Mm-hmm. He sort of tickles it. You know, he sets up huge forehand and sort of rolls it. It, it it definitely is worlds apart from you know when obviously when he was 14 he was winning those challenger matches right and br- bursting onto the scene he was so aggressive and power and explosiveness he just looks worlds apart from that and i think it's just a guy you can see all vacant of all confidence mm-hmm. yeah he's just it's tough to see him struggle with that versus where he was even like two years ago in the top 10 i believe just kind of falling slowly he's still still seated at these tournaments and i think this run will help him a little bit but he really needs to get the the mindset together and just play aggressively because he doesn't he doesn't have the defensive weapons to just play straight up uh grinding tennis he needs to play big serve big forehand style as much as possible yeah and actually in fact it's not going to help him at all he lost points he lost 80 are dropping off, so he's down to 30. Um, very close to the seating, edge of the seedings. Yep. Um, I I feel a little bit for him because Medvedev was two sets down against uh, Rusevori. Mm-hmm. I, I I kind of flagged it. I was like, if you can get his Davis Cup form, that could be a troublesome match. He was two sets to love down, comes back. The match finishes about 4:30 in the morning. Medvedev yep. came back to win. But you think if that was Rusevori in there? You'd have Felix as the favorite. So then he's into the fourth round against unseeded Borges. And then you think, you know, he, he would be the favorite again. All the way to the quarters against Hubi Hercatch or Cazot. And yeah. you think, you know, just one result changes. And that's the beauty of the, the tennis draw system, the way it works. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was just, you know, he could be looking at Felix in the semis, careers back on track. But, yeah. you know, one set of tennis and uh, it's a lot of ifs, but on paper. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. If he if he's able to play a Rusevori instead of a Medvedev, he just his chances at making at minimum a quarterfinals go through the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So moving on, um, another American out at the hands of Alex Zverev. I didn't see too much of that match. I like Mickelson as a player. He's very American. Mm-hmm. You know, big big serve beforehand. What what did you did you get a chance to look at that one? Yeah, I watched through. I believe the second set and third set and turned it on when it was early in the second set and i also like mickelson as a player as you said big serve big forehand but he's got a sneaky good backhand one of the the high points of his game is his ability to play on defense actually so when he was playing zverev he really turned up his level in that set and going into the tiebreaker he was playing really well he just i mean it was really down to zverev also lifting his game at the same time and just playing a little bit better in the big moments. I think Zverev pulled off two or three passing shot winners in that tiebreaker, which were the, the big difference. Because Mickelson was playing well, playing aggressive, and there wasn't much that 
Mickelson really did wrong was just up to Zverev, who played really well and then just continued to play well into the third set. And I think Mickelson, once he went down two sets to love, just dipped a little bit. Yep. And um, he will play the Brit, the impenetrable wall, Cam Norrie, mm-hmm. who beat Casper Ruud. We were waiting for someone to cause an upset, and that's the 19th seed beating the 11th seed. Yep. But the Australian Open, well, Austra- the Australian, Max Purcell came very close in the previous round, losing him five sets with a, a 10-point tiebreak in the fifth set decider. That was a great match. That that guy played out of his skin. Yeah, I, I love. I watched a lot of that match, and I I thought it was a really fun match. I, I like watching Purcell play too. He's he's got a pretty big serve, solid ground strokes. I think he came to the net either over a hundred times or nearly a hundred times over the course of the match, and he was winning at least two thirds of those points. So, just a really fun kind con- contrast of styles throughout that match. I was a little sad to see he didn't get the win because I would have liked to have. Had another Aussie into the round of 16 there, or third round, I guess, at that point. But it was yeah. not to be. No, I, th- that was a, it was a crazy night of tennis. Zverev and um, Rude were both fifth set, 10-point deciding tie breaks. Mm-hmm. And then Nori came back earlier in the – well, was it earlier in the day? Oh, at the same time. Came back from two sets down against the Italian qualifier. Um, so, yeah, we're just all the seeds were getting pushed to the absolute yeah. max. And you had Medvedev, I believe, the same day also going – to the oh yeah, that's the that's the capper for all of that. And Kekmanovic won eleven nine in the fi- in the fifth set tiebreak two yeah. against Struff. I what think is- that was one of the the craziest days of tennis I've seen in a long time. No, I really like the um the idea that is a relatively new idea, not doing the you know win by two fifth set. You mm-hmm. know the throwback to the Mahu isn't a match. What was it seventy sixty eight or something like that? Yeah, um, I believe so. I but the, I think it's just such a great. Well, some of them are great. Some of them are really great, or some of them are really bad. I feel like it's, yeah. there's no in-between. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's, in the past, you would have some fifth-set matches where they might be 9-7 to seven or 12-10 to 10 in the fifth set, and lots of drama, like points going back and forth. But at the same time, I feel like there's also been matches where they're, they're at 8-all, and all of a sudden somebody just dumps four points in a row. They get broken, and the match is over in the next game. I've I really liked how the they've at a minimum kind of gone to the uniform ten point tiebreaker at six all for all the majors, and I also like that it's actually a ten point tiebreaker, not a seven point tiebreaker, because I always felt like those were, were just gone so quickly. Like they'd have a U.S. Open fifth set tiebreaker, and you play one bad point, and this, basically the match is over, even though you've played for four and a half hours. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I'm a big fan, but the biggest argument I have in favor of it is that it doesn't um, derail the the rest of the tournament. Like, yeah. you know, if you, if you uh, yeah, beat this guy 24-22 in the fifth set, yeah, we play again, play again in a day's time. You know, it, it's it's tough. You know, you didn't see many people that come back, you know, bounce back from that. So I'm, I'm yeah. in favor of, you know, keeping players fit as they progress through the tournament. Yeah, it keeps them within a fighting chance of actually playing. Like, just imagine if, if Manorino, after playing his 15 sets, if any of them had been extended fifth sets, and maybe he goes, like, a 16-14 in the fifth set in his second round, and then he comes back, beats Ben Shelton. We could be looking at a, a triple bagel against Novak Djokovic if, if he were that tired in his match. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, do you think Kekmanovic is going to have enough to beat, beat out? I mean, Alcaraz is just, you know, fresh as a daisy. 
um, with Shang having to retire. Not really sure what was wrong with him. Um, yeah, I, d- I didn't really see much of that match either because they played. I think that was an early match as well. But yeah, it looked kind of it looked like kind of one of those that he was losing. Just got his serve broken, I think, in the third set, and was like, "Yeah, cool." Yeah, that, was, that was on track <laughs> to be a, a one one and one or a, a one one and no. That that was not looking good for Shake. Yeah, so he called it. So Alcaraz is fresh. Kekmanovic is coming off two five setters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think Kechmanovic is going to have a very tough time with the fresh Alcaraz, even with a, an Alcaraz coming off of multiple fifth sets. I would still give the edge to Alcaraz. So Kechmanovic having played ten sets and Alcaraz having played six, and of those six, I mean two and two of them were ridiculously easy. Um, I don't, I don't think the chances are too high for Kechmanovic, but I feel like he's had some good matches against Alcaraz in the past, so we'll see you uh, come tonight. Yeah. Okay, I want quick-fire answers. One-word one answers for some predictions here. Okay. Alcaraz or Kechmanovic? Alcaraz. Nori or Zverev? Uh, Zverev. I had to think about that one. Medvedev Borges? Medvedev. Herkatch Kazo? Herkatch. Then, okay, quarterfinals in the top half. Djokovic or Fritz? You gotta take Novak Djokovic. Sinner or Rublev? Take my guy Yannick Sinner. And we're working our way back down. Herkatch or Medvedev? Uh, I believe I okay. My heart's gonna say Herkatch, but I'm gonna pick Medvedev because I'm pretty sure that's what I picked in my predictions. And, and Zverev against Alcaraz. I'm gonna go with Alex Zverev, even though. My head says Carlos Alcaraz. I think that's a good pick. I, I think there's no way it's the one, two, three, and four seeds in the semis. Someone yeah, has to lose. They, um, I guess technically the one, I guess one, two, and four, if we don't count Medvedev for a second, have been playing extremely high level, and Medvedev could easily come and just level up this game as well. He's cooking. He's a he's a he's a late bloomer in tournaments. Yeah, he he was just getting ready. He's warming up for the first week. He didn't want to expend himself too much, so he, you know, kind of threw in a couple sets. And then he, anytime he went down a set, he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna just win pretty easily now." Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely gonna be the the next time we talk. What what time's the final? Will will we be reviewing the final or previewing the final? I'm pretty sure the final is gonna be on a Saturday night. Sunday morning for us so at that point it would be a post-final review I think nice I think that's I think that's better yeah it I gives us a, a full match to talk about versus waiting a couple days to discuss what happened yeah and uh, I'm just thinking right now of a way we can uh, get Jack Draper involved in this podcast any ideas we're on a, uh, we're on a streak <laughs> Jack Draper what what's his ranking going to now I know he's he dropped off a little bit but you know making a run to the well, I guess it was technically only in the second round. He's not going to go up too much, but fifty-one plus four. Oh, I guess I guess what uh, we can compare him to. Uh, we mentioned Ben Shelton earlier in his mental strength. Who do you think between the two is more mentally strong? With Ben Shelton having the higher ranking and better success, but uh, Zach Draper having you know basically the same exact game as Ben Shelton. Um, that's a really tough question. I. I I think Ben would win the match, especially over five sets. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's one of the matches I have to see it this year. It's on my wish list. Yep. I, 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 don't, remember, I, I, remember I don't care we, where it is. I just want to see it. 
I remember it may have been about a year and a half ago now. You were texting me about some players, and you were texting me about Ben Shelton, this lefty who was really good, and also Jack Draper, who was really good. And we were deciding who would be the first one to get into the top 50 and be a better player. I'm not sure if you remember this, but thinking back, I kind of remember this this conversation happening in a text before, which I think was really funny. I vaguely remember that. And then if it was about a year ago, Shelton just would have been on a flyer to the Australian Open quarters. Yep. I think it was right before that. This was when he was kind of breaking through on the Challenger Tour after going uh, going pro. He was probably 150 in the world. Jack Draper, I think, was a little higher at the time, actually, but also playing some pretty good tennis. No, fantastic stuff all around. Do you want to give the uh, listeners an update on the on the uh, predictions, how, how we're going up against each other? I've been checking it vigorously throughout the day, waiting for it. To, it's not very good at updating. Well, so the updating comes down to me. I personally have to update it. <laughs> And I try to do it once a day, but sometimes I don't see, I haven't seen the scores yet. So I got to wait until I uh, watch the highlights of the matches before I update the scores. So, yeah, there, looking was one at, day this week, there was one day this week when you were, it was like a day and a half late. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I didn't remember to update it until the next round of matches had already started. And I, I may not have updated it until the day after that at that point anyway. So it was a little slow going, but I believe right now that. I've closed the gap. I can tell you already I've closed the gap. Yeah, you're you're much closer. So the the door's not wide open now, it's just a jaw. I think I think what's gonna happen is this is gonna come down to whether or not um whether or not Zverev and Medvedev meet in the whatever round they would meet in and whoever wins that match. Because I believe you have Medvedev going a little farther than I do, but I have Zverev going further than Medvedev. So whoever does better of those two could be determining who wins this. Wins this challenge? Yeah, no, I I have Rune. I, that's a is a, that was a really bad pick. I haven't going to, Rune going to the semis. Uh, see, I I had Rune making the quarters, but then I believe losing to Medvedev. But I also have Zverev beating Alcaraz, which, I mean, based on how they've both been playing so far, I think Alcaraz has a better shot at being Zverev. But at the same I'm Zverev going to the final. I need that. I need Zverev to the final. You don't so have you, that, Ra. I I think you have Zverev to the final, and I have Medvedev to the final. Oh, that's the that's the big ticket item right there. Yep. Or or it could be messed up, and Alcaraz could beat both of them, and then I guess we are stuck with whatever, uh, however good they both do before then. I believe I'm about four points. Yeah. Ahead of you. It was down to three at one point, but now it's at four. Imagine, look at this, and Musetti was just such a bad pick. Nick, I can't wait for the French Open, and we're going to do this again. I'm, I'm going to play it safe. None of these outrageously, you know, forward-thinking, breakthrough picks like that one. That yeah, was just a waste. I, I think my picks could have been way better if I just stuck with Rublev making it to the fourth round, or I guess the quarterfinals now. Uh, I didn't I didn't need to pick Seb quarter going all the way to the quarters, and then my other big one, I guess, was Jack Draper making it to the fourth round versus Tommy Paul. I guess Tommy Paul didn't make it there either, but that was another mistake. And I guess Holger and I had him winning all the way to the quarters, but he uh, he also disappointed both of us. So yeah, also Jack Draper got mentioned twice in this podcast. Incredible scenes. <laughs> Amazing. Who, who's this? Who's this bloke? Um, Tyler Troch. He got. He must have known some of the scores before he put these in. I think I think he may have known a couple, but he's also done a surprisingly good job of uh, 
stay at the top. Although I will say that in his potential points, if Yannick Sinner loses to Novak Djokovic, then he is not going to be winning, and one of us will be winning instead. So, Yeah, let's go. He's on a tear, though. He's winning. Yeah, enough, yeah. About, enough about this. We'll, we'll, we'll reveal their results on Sunday. But did we put anything on the line for this? Next time we got to. Next time yeah, we next, got to. Next time something will be put in. This was, uh, this was our test run, even though we've done this multiple times before. This was our test run, at least for the podcast. Yeah. yeah. All right. So remember last time we did trivia and you gave yourself, what was it, a C? You might have given yourself a B, but I thought it was more like a C. Oh, no. Um, I think I could, based on looking back, I give myself at best like a D minus. I feel like I got zero answers right, and you kind of gave me the answers to almost half of the stuff. Yeah, that was some of the feedback we received from the listeners too. Yep. Yeah, but this one's easier. Well, I, I say that. I have a history of making trivia questions really hard, apparently. Some important feedback I've, I've received from the Christmas trivia that I, I did. Um, nice. So I've, I've made it a little bit easier for you. And I've kept it uh, with Novak Djokovic. Okay. So he's won 10 Australian Opens. He's never lost in an Australian Open final. Mm-hmm. But I want to know which players he has beaten in the final of the Australian Open. There's one, two, three, six. There's six. Six different players. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start with 2008. He took down Joe Wilford Sanga. Oh, you're going to get this so easily. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to get most of them. I might miss a couple. Um, 2011. You have the years, too? Well, this I- is great. Okay, let me, I'm going to get you to the finish. I'm really impressed, but I'm already blown away that you're just naming years. I got, I've got two years so far. I'm also blanking slightly on who he beat in 2011, but uh, I'm going to say he beat, was that Andy Murray that year? Yeah, and he beat Andy Murray two he other beat, times. He beat Andy Murray in the semifinals the year after in 2012, which he then beat Rafa in that six-hour final. 2012. Yeah, that was the one. Was that the one where they had to bring the chairs out? Yep, that was that one. Yep. Moving onwards here, um, I don't think he won it. In, well, I'm not sure if he won in 2013 or 2014. Um, I actually know it. He won it in 2013. Was that also against Andy Murray? Yeah. Okay. 2013. There was, there's one more against Andy Murray. You're okay. going above and beyond here. There's no extra credit available. All right. Well, I, I know. I'm pretty sure he didn't win 2014 because that was the year that Rafa lost in the final to Vavrinka. So 2015, I believe he won 2015 against Federer. No, no Federer. Eh. One, one incorrect. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, you only get three incorrect answers. Oh, I only get three incorrect. Okay, so 2015, if I have to go back and think that one, I mean... That one's probably Andy Murray again, but don't don't take me on that one yet. I'm gonna. You don't need that. You only need the player. You don't need the. the oh. The, okay. Yeah, that's why I mean you're going above and beyond. You're making yeah, it so, more difficult so got, for yourself. I've got Sanga. I've got Murray, and you're having the dog. There's three Rafa, left. Uh, Federer. No, he wasn't one. He's oh, the incorrect. Gosh. <laughs> All right. So I know Dominic team. He beat him. Yeah, that's four. Two more left. Yeah, Stefano Tsitsipas, very recent. And the great Daniil Medvedev. Yeah. A set of six. You did much better that time. Yeah. I'm I'm a 
as you know, a slightly later to the tennis game person, I didn't start, you know, watching much, if any, tennis until 2011 or so, maybe the end of 2010. So my uh, my 2010 onward tennis knowledge is going to be pretty good. And anything before that or, you know, at those a lot smaller tournaments kind of in that early time period, I'm not going to know too much at all. Well, you, you just reeled off the song. That was the one I thought you weren't going to get, but you bet you got that right off yeah. the bat. I had, was I had that was his first Grand Slam. I like watching old Sanga highlights. He's fun to watch. Yeah, I'm planning on staying up once we get to you know semifinals time in the tournament. So once we get to the weekend, I'm I'm gonna be up basically the entire day. Nice, the commitment for the podcast, right? Uh, oh, exactly. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't yeah. think I've I don't think I've missed a live Aussie Open semifinal or final for like six years now. So gotta keep the streak going. Yeah, Djokovic needs you. He does. I mean, every time I watch, he basically wins. So it must be me, not him. Yeah. Well, um, we'll look forward to that. We're at the business end now, coming uh, into Saturday night's final. Um, another moment just for our, our sponsor, 30-30 Tennis, the shortened format where every game starts at 30 all, uh, adding more pressure and every point's important and to reduce the length of matches. Thank you for joining us on this fine Sunday evening. It's cold where we are. We hope it, it gets better where you are. I've been George Buffett. I'm Jacob Andres. And remember, always go around the net post. Uh-huh.